Welcome to episode 60 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Okay, welcome back to another episode. I always try and vary the way I do that intro and it always ends up the same way. So welcome back to another episode. Um, I have some tips to share for when you're, you know, a lot of times at the start of the school year, we start doing a lot of assessments. So if that's something that scares you about telepractice, cause it's different than if you're doing it in person and it's different from doing therapy, um, Andy over at the whimsical word has mm-hmm. uh, written a blog post about it and she gives five tips for doing assessments. Um, so she talks about really focusing on that test reliability and validity. So making sure parents know things like, I need you to not repeat what I've said. I need you to, you know, um, not tell them they get it, did a good job or tell them that they got that answer right or anything like that. So that's something that I did also figure out. I did early intervention before I did telepractice. So I would have to do that when it's not that different from going into homes and doing something like the um, PLS where you have to, you know, tell the parent, like, please don't repeat that. Please don't tell them that again (laughs) to make sure you have that reliability and validity with your tests. And then the next thing that she talks about is the technology. So maybe um, talking with the parent beforehand, making sure that they know their uh, internet is working properly, that they know how to run a speed test. And if that speed test is not great, telling them things like move your modem closer to your computer or move your computer closer to your modem um, to kind of um, build up that internet speed. Or if they can hardwire the internet, then that's even better. Uh, But just checking on those things beforehand. And then she talks about the proper testing environment, making sure that you know, siblings aren't coming in and out of the room, that even things like they don't have a window right behind them. So you can't see their face because they're black backlit. So kind of that focusing on the environment around them. And then she talked about behavior management. So maybe planning beforehand, um, you know, that the parent is going to be around if you need them, or maybe they have some external motivators like, you know, treats or games for the child to play and to kind of keep them going in that uh, um, testing environment. And then also telling them things like, you know, when you're giving reinforcement, make sure you just tell them. I love how you're watching, or I love how hard you're trying and not give them any reinforcement that also tells them, yeah, you got that answer. right." (laughs) So, and the last thing that she mentions, which is so important and something that we don't think about um, until something goes wrong is making sure you have contact information so that you have a couple, you know, a phone number and an email or a couple different ways to get a hold of the family. So if something's going wrong, um, that you can get a hold of them. And I've, I have had sessions where I make sure I have the parent's cell phone number. I text them and be like, Hey, this happened while we were trying to 
test or things like that. So they can pop back in and, and fix those things. So those are some great five tips. If you go to her website and find this um, blog post, then she also has a free printable parent checklist that you can send to the parents. So they have a very like laid out list of what they need, what they can expect and what they need to get ready for an assessment. Uh, great, great tips. I have to go get that uh, that handout from her. Yeah, because yeah. I have a couple of different ones I use, but that would be maybe even better. Uh, yeah, this just this past week we were doing with my grad students. We did an assessment um, through telepractice, and and they these uh, grad students uh, had never done any assessments through telepractice. So they researched online and looked at the digital versions of these two tests and figured out, you know, what they had to do and, and spent some good, you know, really a lot of time figuring it all out. And so during the assessment, everything went really well, but I was a little afraid that they would like, you know, have this big sigh of relief and say, okay, thank goodness we got through it. I never want to do it again kind of thing because hey, that's how stressful. I felt after my first PLS. <laughs> I was like, I never that's... want to do that again. And then I spent the next three years working in early intervention. <laughs> Everyone says that about the right? PLS. <laughs> <laughs> that test is called more caused more nightmares by, oh you know, of SLPs than any other thing. Uh, so after this assessment, and we finished testing uh, the kiddo and, and uh, was sort of going through over the results, I asked them, so well, how did it feel for you guys? And this is your first assessment. Obviously, they haven't given that many assessments in general, right. you know, live or through, I mean, live in person or through uh, telepractice. And, and they're like, we love it. <laughs> This is so much easier than in person. In person, I'm just always worried about flipping the, you know, the the stimulus book back and forth and missing the page. And I get flustered, you know, all this stuff. And they're like, I love how it's laid out. It went so easy, you know, so well. Everyone was engaged. I said, well, that's true. Everything went well with this assessment. You will have kids if you are working in telepractice and you're doing an assessment where it may be hard to get them engaged. So you're going to have the same kind of thing. But it, it totally, you know, surprised me. I thought they were right. going to like have this big sigh of relief and say, okay, we got through it. You know, it wasn't that bad, but, I, you know, I want to stick to just in-person diagnostics. Yeah. Uh, not the case. <laughs> they like it better than doing in-person. <laughs> so I was, I was impressed with them. They did a really good job and, and they knew what to do. So that's great. Yeah. So. I also found uh, today I was reading through an article <clears throat> on another topic. You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the federal legislation that's working through Congress right now. And the title of the, the little news item was, you know, over a hundred different pieces of legislation uh, are currently working through Congress at the federal level. And of course, you know, all of them are essentially doing the same kinds of things. Some are a little more focused on one aspect or another. Um, but there's, you know, just continuing to be lots of movement in terms of telehealth. And, and fortunately, 
it's it's one of those topics uh, in terms of healthcare that's not divisive. Mm-hmm. I think both parties are are looking at how you know we need to make these changes permanent, and a lot of these bills are, are doing just that. So. Uh, what was interesting about this little article is that they're saying probably in the next few weeks, um, by early fall, and I think they come back in uh, first week of August or so, um, and so we'll see how you know what bills are are brought forward. But I think we're getting close to some action. So I just want to, you know, all of our listeners to just sort of check in with your with your. Uh, members of Congress and see where they are and supporting some of these telehealth bills and express that you would like to get their support, that this is important to you. If that, if you're so inclined to do so. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It is one thing that I'm like, I think we can all agree on this, that telepractice has its place and that it can be really helpful in lots of situations. So we should make it easier for that to happen. That's right. Exactly. And so hopefully by this fall, we'll have some bills signed into law, into law and we'll see some some of these changes uh, become permanent. Because I did read in another little article where some governors are starting to pull back at the state level on some of these changes that were put in place. So if we can get some federal legislation that sort of, uh, sort of overrides everything else, then that would mm-hmm. be great. Yeah. So on the podcast today, we have someone who's very, very busy. <laughs> yes. With we all do. the stuff that she's doing. Yep. Yep. So we have, okay, pause for a second. How do you say her last name? Did you ever hear her say it? I think it's Burnaby. Burnaby. Okay. Yeah, we do. Um, so we have Maria Burnaby and she has been very busy doing lots of different things with telepractice and making some, um, resources and things that are available for all of us to get some use out of. So we will go to her interview to hear more about those. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. Okay, Maria, welcome to the podcast. Tell us some of your background and how you got into telepractice. Sure. Well, I want to thank you guys for inviting me to be a guest on the podcast. Um, I'm happy to chat with you guys, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. 
Um, so just a little bit about me. I have been a speech therapist for about nine years now. Um, I went to the University of South Florida in Tampa. And um, after I graduated, I began working in an acute care hospital just north of Tampa. Was there for a few, for a few years working with adults um, and loved that setting. Um, but then I moved to be closer to family and transitioned to pediatrics. And ever since then, I have not looked back and I exclusively work with just pediatrics now um, because it's just so much happier. Um, you know, obviously you're working, but it feels like you're playing and there's so much more laughter involved for me anyway. <laughs> so I'm sticking to the pediatric field. Um, what else? You know, I've worked in several settings. So, you know, the acute care, outpatient, um, I did a travel contract for a little bit that was in a school. Um, I also worked in private practice and currently work uh, for my own private practice um, where I see in-person clients as well as um, online. So that's just a little bit about me in a nutshell. Great. So did telepractice come, were you doing that before the pandemic? Did it at, you added it to your private practice during the pandemic? How did that come into the mix? So I, you know, about three years ago is when I first began telepractice. Um, and it came in because I wanted to be able to travel more. Um, so that was the big motivating factor for me. Um, my husband works remotely, so I wanted to be able to also work remotely and travel with him. Um, and that's when I started to do some research and stumbled upon telepractice, which had already been happening, but it just wasn't as popular. Um, and I spent a long time researching all about it. You know, how do you do it? You know, what, what are the steps, laws, licensing? What do I need, you know, in, in terms of equipment? Um, and after that, I decided, okay, well, I need to actually practice this before I feel confident in taking a job, like a paid job. So what I did is I reached out to a local um, organization called Gigi's Playhouse. Have you guys heard of them? Mm-mm. No. Mm. So Gigi's Playhouse is an organization, it's a nonprofit that works with um, individuals with Down syndrome, and they provide several services, including speech therapy, for free. Um, And my local office did not have that service for for their, um, their members. And so I spoke to them and said, hey, you know, I have this idea, I'd love to provide therapy for you guys, would you be willing to try teletherapy with me? Um, And sure enough, they agreed. And that's how I got my feet wet into the teletherapy Mm -hmm. world and helped them develop a teletherapy program. I brought in another speech therapist who I trained um, and we did that for a little while and it worked great um, with that, with the Down syndrome population. Um, Obviously there are some who are not candidates for it and some are, um, but it was great. Um, that's actually also how I began the telehealth specialist website, because when I was doing all my research, it was all there, right? I could find it, but it was in different places. I had to search many different locations in the web 
And I thought, okay, well, let me put it all together in one location because I know I'm not the only one who has these questions. Um, and that's that's how I, I started that website so that others could learn more about teletherapy and that process. Um, and yeah, ever since then, I've been doing teletherapy. I did it um, for a local charter school who I actually still contract with. Um, and that's with high schoolers. Um, and then obviously also with my with my practice. I like that idea of, you know, I need to learn this. So why don't I just set up a program with a local nonprofit and and make it work and find out how to do this? That's really cool. And then you benefit and these these individuals benefit as well. And so that's really a great idea. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, it just it was the, the right time and the right location because I didn't know about Gigi's Playhouse um, prior to then, you know, I just happened to look around for nonprofit organizations and I was like, well, it's, it's right around the corner. Yeah, and that was perfect. important because, because it was so new, I felt safe doing it because I had this, this location that was a 30 minute drive. So I could, I could go in in person and troubleshoot if I needed to, since I was learning and they were learning as well, how to, how to be you know, how to be involved in telepractice. Yeah, that's what mine and Todd's first telepractice Mm -hmm. um, student that we had or child that we worked with was like a five minute drive away (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it was a pilot program. And we were like, okay, if something goes wrong, we want to be able to be close. (laughs) So I would even sometimes go and drop off materials on their porch before our teletherapy (laughs) session. So, but yeah, it's, it's good to like, start that kind of, you know, start small if you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for sure. And yeah, those are the old days, you know, tw- 12 years ago, whatever it was. Yep. Um, <laughs> a, few, a little time ago, um, but we learned a lot, right, Kim? Um, yep. And, and so from, from Gigi's to uh, the different places you've been in your, and then you've developed your own private practice. Is your private practice now mostly or all telepractice? My private practice is half and half right now. Um, I had, it was less than half. So I had most of my clients were in person. And then with the pandemic, I transitioned actually all of them to teletherapy, even the toddlers, which was quite an adventure. (laughs) um and then as things got a little bit better and I felt safer and my clients felt safer I started to see a few more in person um so now it's half and half so yeah um you know with with transitioning a hundred percent telepractice I realized that my process needed to be more efficient because what I found is I was using, you know, pen and paper to take all of my notes and also do all my tallying for taking data. Um, and then after the session, I had to go in and type it into my, you know, my software that I was using. Um, and that was time consuming. And that's how this software that I'm currently trying to work on came, came to be, which is DocuDeer. Um, yes. So DocuDeer grew out of the the need for me to be more efficient and mm-hmm. um, just like the realization that I had a lot of clients that I needed to to quickly write notes for, you know, during the pandemic, that they were all they were all teletherapy. So. And so t- 
chat a little bit more about that. Is it, is it uh, software that could work with just about any platform or is it you can just open it as a separate window on your computer? Sort of yeah, how, so, how are you thinking? So DocuDeer is software that you just use online. So you just go to the website and then you log into your account. And so what you do is you, if you're using it with teletherapy, you would pull it up on one screen if you have two, two monitors, which most of us do nowadays who are really into the, the teletherapy. Um, so you pull it in, you pull it up on one, on one monitor and you are able to just take data in real time as you're doing your session, as well as type your notes. Um, and you can also track your students' progress and um, upload IEPs, upload worksheets, um, type notes or type goals. Um, there's a goal bank as well. You can share goals with colleagues and just the community in general that uses DocuDeer. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been a great tool for me to use. And really it was built as, you know, for my need, but obviously now expanding it to others because whenever you have a need, likely somebody else has that same need. So we're excited to, to launch it. So it's in, so, yeah, is it launched yet or how can people get in? So on <laughs> we are in a private beta right now. So we do have users that are giving us feedback on the functionality and giving us, you know, more ideas what we should add or take away um, to basically perfect the tool before it goes um, public. Um, so we are hoping to launch really soon, I would say within the next couple of months. Um, right now, there is a sign up. You would just go to docudeer.com and sign up um, to join the waitlist. And then we are letting people in over time um, gradually. Um, it is free for student clinicians um, and it is also free for uh, your fellowship year because right. those are hard years. You know, when you are in grad school and that first clinical fellowship year. That's a tough year as we transition from going into a very controlled school setting where you're learning to the real world. So we really wanted to give back and give those clinicians a tool that can help them maneuver the world of being a speech therapist more on your own. Um, so yeah. So it's great. Do you have a program for university faculty? <laughs> <laughs> We can talk about that. We can, we can create it. You know, my um, my husband is a software designer, and so when I told him I had this problem, he's like, "Well, hey, you know what? We can build it. We can do something to help you out." So, awesome. Anything can happen. Yeah, we'll talk more. We'll talk more. <laughs> so you have you have your private practice. You have DocuDeer, and that's only the beginning because you also have your Boom cards, correct? Yep, I have my boom cards, and that um, it's just a fun project for me. I began to create boom cards when I transitioned to 100% teletherapy because I wanted to use certain materials with my specific clients, and I wanted them to be a specific way. So I was like, okay, well, here's this tool. I can buy them, which is great, but why don't I also just dive into creating them? And I learned that I absolutely love just creating them. It's, it's just a fun creative outlet for me to just put things together. I don't think it's something that I could have done just right out of grad school. 
I think just being a therapist for a little while really helped me learn, okay, how can I really teach this? And what can I put together in an activity online to help keep my student engaged? Um, a lot of my clients were toddlers um, up to age five. And those have to be really engaging teletherapy sessions. I mean, I feel like I'm putting on a show for them every time. Right. So I, you know, I, I focus on creating a lot of materials for that age group since those are the ones I see the most. Uh, yeah. So that's been, that's been really great. Awesome. So with um, a private practice, do you, what do you do to find clients and do you do anything different to find teletherapy clients? Um, I don't do anything different. What I have found to be successful is when a parent calls me asking about services, generally they're asking for in-person services. That's just the way it is. Um, but I always take time to chat with them and learn more right off the bat. Okay, what are your needs? What are you looking for? How old is your child? And I get to learn a little bit about what their child's needs are. And then I have an idea of whether that client could potentially be a teletherapy client. And if they can, then I will speak to that parent and, and uh, you know, just recommend, would you like to try teletherapy? Um, for one or two sessions, see how it goes, see if it's something that meets your child's needs and keeps him engaged and see if it's something that is going to be beneficial for your family. And most of the time it is most of the time they will give it a shot and they realize this is great. I don't have to drive somewhere to take my child to an appointment and they can see that their child is making progress and their child is looking forward to joining me in the, in the therapy session. Um, so that's, that's really my process of obtaining teletherapy clients is I, I speak to them and educate the parents about what it is and, and encourage them to try it. And, and it works out a lot of times. Yeah. I love that too, that just try it. <laughs> you know, they might not mm -hmm. think that it would work with their child, but I, I always encourage them to, to, give it a shot at least. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they feel, they feel good about trying it because they know that they can always join me right. in person. So it's not so scary for them because of that. I'm, I'm a little fearful because, you know, many parents have such a, a negative reaction or kind of got burned out on the, on the, you know, distance learning that had to be put in place for COVID with a lot of school districts, you know, and, and, and certainly got uh, some, of, some of that with my own practice and, and that, you know, families were, you know, wanting to get speech services, you know, separate uh, from the school, but it's like one more thing I have to try to manage. I just can't do it right now. If you're also going to do telepractice. And so it was like, almost they would almost, want to come in rather than have to do one more thing online with their kids. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But at that point in time, we couldn't be uh, in person because we were still dealing with uh, sort of the lockdown. Uh, and and now I think, you know, families are, are coming back, but I think many others are definitely seeing the benefits of telepractice and wanting to continue with those services. So I, I do think, you know, like we were talking about earlier, right before we started uh, recording, that, you know, 
you know, it was kind of tough getting to this point of having to go through a international pandemic, but at least we have uh, a lot more people out there understanding what telehealth and telepractice can do and that it's a, it's a viable service that should be in place everywhere. Absolutely. And I, I know what you're, I know what you're, what you're saying with the fear um, mm-hmm. and, and the burnout because parents had to just dive into everything online for schooling. And that was, that's a lot on parents. Um, so I encountered some similar situations as well. Um, but now that a little time has passed, we're going back and, and parents are more open to it now. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, reminding them like, I don't know. This is something I do. This isn't something I started doing because of the pandemic. And even if it is something that you did because of that, just reminding them, like, I didn't learn how to do this in two days and I've been doing this for a while, or, you know, like I've had successes with it and kind of that, like, I'm not new to this kind of, I think too, Mm -hmm. gives them, gives them more confidence in it. Cause a lot of our teachers, you know, God bless them did just, you know, one day they had to just do everything online. And some of them really thrived at that. And some of them didn't. And I think parents saw a spectrum of that. So Mm -hmm. I feel like some of them have, when they have that view of like, oh, this won't work. Maybe it's the person or the therapist they had before you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's a really good point is reminding them, you know, this is, this is what I do. Teletherapy is something that we've done for years now. Um, it's, it's, it's not something that I'm doing because of the pandemic and it's, you know, it's effective and it's fun. It's engaging. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I want to make sure I go through the list, uh, Maria. Um, let's see. You talked about your boom cards, DocuDeer, telehealthspecialist.com, aplusspeech.com. And then you have your Teachers Pay Teachers Telehealth Specialists. So more yeah. materials on Teachers Pay Teachers. Uh, teachers Pay Teachers um, is, is my telehealth specialist store. It's the same materials that I have on Boom Cards. Um, but some people prefer, you know, Boom Cards store and some people prefer right. the um, Teachers Pay Teachers store. So. I can tell you, Mary, a computer programmer, you know, <laughs> I can, you know a computer person. <laughs> <laughs> You made use of those talents. That's good. Um, yeah. So, you know, aside from the wonderful materials that you've developed, are, are there some websites or other materials that you've sort of found that you find yourself going back to more often than not? Um, I honestly, there, there are so many websites that we can use out there, free and paid. And there, you know, there are, there are great resources in many places that you look, but I, don't like to spend a lot of time planning because I don't have a lot of time on my hands to plan. So I like Mm -hmm. to keep it simple. My number one Mm go-to is YouTube. (laughs) Right. That's my go-to because I can Mm -hmm. use it for so much. So something I've been doing recently is I'll find a really good wordless video um, and I'll watch it before my session. So say I'm working on verbs, past tense verbs, I'll watch that video and I'll make a list of past tense verbs that I can target in that video. And then we'll watch, you know, in my session, we'll watch the first 30 seconds and then we'll target whatever verb 
was in that first 30 seconds of the video. So, you know, we can formulate a sentence with that past tense verb. We can change the past tense verb to a progressive tense. Um, and I mean, it's not just verbs. I mean, it's any word. So you can work on adjectives. What did this character look like or emotions so much? And YouTube is very engaging for just about all of the clients I have. <laughs> yeah. So that's my, that is really, truly my go-to. And then second to that, of course, um, boom cards. Um, they're just so easy to pull up. And something I did actually uh, two weeks ago, which my client really, really loved was we went shopping on mm. the boom card store. And that was um. awesome for him. Um, so, you know, I searched for only the free ones because I don't want to mm. buy just about everything that he suggested, right. but you know, we went shopping and he really loved that. So we worked on language already, just having him tell me what we were shopping for, what he wanted. And then of course he got to choose the activity that he wanted to play or he wanted to to use and I got to target his goals. So that was that was a really motivating thing is to use boom cards in that way. I love that idea. It's yeah. kind of like if they were in person and you opened up your toy shelf to be like, okay, what are we going to play today? But it's doing it virtually. I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's cool. That's you know, I guess you could do something almost be torture for some kids though to go to like a Target and look at all the toys at Target. Of course, all the toys that they're not going to be able to buy right then, you know, but uh, come back to. Um, but yeah, that could be another great way of, you know, I can think of some different language activities just going in the, the household area and going, you know, oh, we need to buy some clothes. We're going on this trip. What else do we need to buy? You know, things like that. So that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I guess you have to select the right client, right? You don't you don't right. want to do this with a client who wants it all. True, true. true. It has to be thought through more than I'm doing right now. <laughs> so in, any other uh, websites or materials that you, you've come to like? Or do you have a so favorite I, YouTube channel or video? Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, I don't have a favorite YouTube channel. I, I just go in and search wordless. I mean, I am quick. I just go in, do a quick search, and then I, I copy and paste that hyperlink onto, I use a teletherapy planner that I created. It's just a word doc essentially with different sections. Um, and so in there, I have a section for YouTube videos, a section for boom cards. So I quickly just go in, do a quick search, copy and paste the links, and then I have that document pulled up in my screen. I don't have anything specific that I, I go to. ABCYa.com is one that I use all the time for the little ones. Um, yeah, ABCYa, Boom Cards, and YouTube. Those are the, the biggest ones that I, the most common ones that I use. Yeah. Now, I have some PDF, PDF um, workbooks in, in my Google Drive that I use just with annotation tools on Zoom. Zoom's a platform that I use. So there's just so much that you can do just with a PDF document. Mm -hmm. And um, if you have a Mac, you can open up um, the PDF preview Mm -hmm. uh, window or their preview um, app, or I guess it would call it, Mm -hmm. I guess it's called an app, their preview app. And they have a tool called a magnifying glass. And it lets you magnify portions of the worksheet. 
So you can quickly just create an iSpy activity with just any PDF or highlight words that way. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I've you know I've used that all the time, but I've never thought about it. You know, using that application that way. So that's cool. Yeah. 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 Annotation tools, keeping it simple. Yep. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. You want to keep it simple and 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 usually that's the most effective thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're seeing today. So Maria, we have some questions for you. This is our sort of moment of Zen time. And okay. if you've listened to some recent podcasts, some recent episodes, you may have heard us ask some some questions of our guests. Mm-hmm. So it's it's uh, your time on the hot seat. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, and so feel free to answer these uh, as much as or as little as you'd like. Okay. 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 So here we go. Uh, what's the most used app on your phone? Well, currently it's Hatch. It is a... A baby tracking app where I track, I meticulously track everything about my baby. (laughs) That's the phase I'm in my life right now. Yes. (laughs) Gotcha. I did that for a while too. And then I was like, you know what? This isn't working. We're just going to, I'm going to put that away now and just (laughs) listen to my baby. But yes. Yeah. In those first few months, it's like, oh, I need to remember when they last ate, when (laughs) and everything. (laughs) Yes, yes, that's where I'm at. But I'm slowly getting to the point where I'm I'm feeling like I don't need to track everything. I stopped tracking good. diapers. <laughs> good, good. Um, what was the last TV series you streamed? Um, that would be The Good Doctor. Oh, I like that one. Nice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's a favorite book? Well, let's see. Honestly, I haven't read a book in a while. Um, I don't, I can't tell you a favorite book. I will say I read a lot. I go through periods in my life where I read a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I'm reading a lot, I use my Kindle Mm -hmm. and I just quickly find books that are just horrible, like gory, mystery, (laughs) crime, you know, genres. And I just like Mm -hmm. read them one after the other. I don't know. Do you guys have Kindles? I do. Yeah. Okay. So when you, when you're reading a book and you open it, it doesn't really take you to the title page. It just takes you to the page where you left off. So I couldn't tell you what these books, the titles of these books, (laughs) I just know I'm reading a book and I'm almost done with it. And then here comes the next one. (laughs) Here comes the the other one. Yep. That's good. Um, Yeah. I I actually just got a Kindle um, because I've been using the app for so long. And then I had, you know, physical books everywhere. And, and I just thought I want one device. That's not my iPad because I use my iPad for other things and it's, mm-hmm. it's bigger. And I just want something that can keep all my books in one little device and just that. And so I, I, I broke down and got the Kindle and, and I love it. So it's, it's worked out. Yeah. It takes a little time to to get used to it. I'm I was big on like just keeping all my paper books, and I just loved mm-hmm. just feeling you know just feeling the sure. book. But when I transitioned to that Kindle, I am hooked. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, I, I love the Kindle. It's great for traveling too. You take one thing, exactly, and it's a bunch of books, right? Exactly, exactly. 
So here's here's a deep question for you. You ready? Okay. If you could create one law or behavior that everyone had to do, what would it be? Um, let's see. I think I'm going to steal this one from my husband, actually. So can I do that? Sure. <laughs> so um, I think it would be that somebody has to try something. They have to try a thing before they say no. So you can say no, but first you have to try it. <laughs> cool. I think a lot of people make decisions based out of fear, and this would just mm-hmm. kind of force them to try something and then say no if you don't like it. Right. Well, we can get into a whole nother discussion about how fear is used to divide us, right? Fear over the yes, other. Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. That would be a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast, yes. Uh, but yeah, that's a that's a great thing. You got to at least try, then have an educated opinion about your experience. Then you can, you yeah. can have a, you can make a decision. Exactly. Um, if, oh, excuse me, who would you like to have dinner with, dead or alive? So I think it would be Prue, who is a host from the British Baking Show. <laughs> I um, know exactly who you're talking about. I would love to just sit down and have a cup of tea with her or dinner and just have a chat and talk about baking. <laughs> some tea and some biscuits, right? Yeah. I know she has every once in a while I hear like some things about her background and stuff too. And I'm like, whoa, she's had like a really interesting life. <laughs> I know. I just watched a, a, it wasn't a documentary, but they had a, a, a long intro about her. And I was so amazed at all the things she's done and how she began her career. It's right. just really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My wife and I used to watch the British baking show religiously. Okay. We kind of got away from it. Now we probably need to get back to it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well. What's the uh, the farthest or most exotic place you've been? Um. I let's go with exotic. So. I would say the Inca Trail in Peru. In Peru. So wow. We, nice. Yeah, I did. It was a three-day hike um, mm-hmm. to get to Machu Picchu. Um, and that was that was probably one of the biggest adventures I've been on. Um, it was fun. It was grueling at the same time. Um, it was great. So they don't have elevators in Peru. They don't have elevators in the Inca Trail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a three-day grueling hike. You lost me right there. (laughs) Even though I would love to see it, I would probably, I probably never will. (laughs) You can get there by bus and train. You can get there. You can get there, Todd. You don't have to go. You don't don't have to. Yeah. It's sounding better. My my good friend just bought a, a, a camper you tow, you know. And he had pictures on online about this new thing and he and his wife and daughter are going to go out. And I said, well, does it have a widescreen TV? Is it air conditioned? And does it have room service? <laughs> None of those things. And so I don't understand the appeal, but they do. <laughs> um, what's the scariest thing uh, you've ever done? 
aside from childbirth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that comes up answer. a lot in this, yeah. this little quiz. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty terrifying. No, but my husband and I went to Costa Rica a few years ago, mm-hmm. and we were on this awesome horseback ride and just um we had a guide who took us through this beautiful forest or park um and at some point uh, towards the end of the horseback ride he we we stop at this little area that had uh, what he called a tarzan swing looking back we should have never done it um basically <laughs> He just he just rigged this swing that was basically two ropes and a piece of wood, and you just sat and hang on and you just hung on to it, and it swung you up like thirty feet in the air, above a cliff. No security, no safety, no harness, nothing. Nothing. And then mm. you know he would just kept pushing you, <laughs> kept going up higher and higher and higher. <laughs> so that was that was really scary and fun and. Nobody should ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was scary and fun, but just don't do it. Don't do it. If someone do offers it. you in Costa Rica, if someone offers you a Tarzan swing, don't do it. Right? Just say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like it. Um, <laughs> do you have a pet peeve? Absolutely. Uh oh. So. <laughs> My husband does this thing where uh-uh. he will, he'll take a bite of his food, but he bites on the, the fork on or the the spoon. So you hear like metal clanking every the, time the teeth he takes on a bite. the metal. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's that's a definite pet peeve. And you still married him. You knew this <laughs> was happening and you still you married know, him. It's one of those things I didn't notice till after I married him. And you were if I would have noticed it before, <laughs> if I would have noticed it before, we might not be married right now. <laughs> it's 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 kind of like my wife who lived with five women, you know, you know, had five roommates in college. And of course, there are stories that she refuses to tell me about. You know, there, there's a history there that she just will not let me know about. And uh, she said, she basically says, if you knew all the things, you probably wouldn't have married me. <laughs> so, anyway. Better not to know then, huh? That's right. Sometimes it's just, uh, just, just kind of live your life not knowing. Um, let's see. If you didn't choose your current profession, what would you like to do? I would be a baker, 100%. A baker. Yes. Mm. I would love to just bake all day cakes and cookies and cupcakes and just anything sweet. I love to eat sweets. I love to make sweets. One of my grad students just this past spring semester, she's going to graduate, but she and her sister-in-law started a baking company. Fun. And then there was a falling out of some sort. (laughs) Oh, and no, so, the, <laughs> so drama happened, and so now she she kind of they kind of broke up the company in a sense, and uh, but she's continuing on just you know baking cookies and and certain things and you know certain cupcakes and things, and she's getting contracts and and 
you know, it's kind of taking off on her a little bit. And she's like, well, I got to do a CFY, but I have all this other <laughs> stuff over here. You know, these people want me to bake for them. <laughs> so, well, you, That's know, so you, awesome. you can do both, you know, just, mm-hmm. just pace yourself. So last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, I think, you know, just I'm proud of the life that you've created and made for yourself. And I'm I'm proud of what you've done. Yeah. Nice. Welcome. Welcome. (laughs) Come on in. Grab a chair. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Maria, how can people get in touch with you? And if you don't mind, just kind of review some of the places that people can go to the different websites. And uh, and hopefully we, you'll get some people that will turn turn to you and, and seek out some additional information. Sure. Um, so the best way to reach me just messaging-wise is on Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot. So that is at docudeer. So D-O-C-U-D-E-E-R. Um, and then if you are looking for information just on teletherapy and just, you know, how to get started or some equipment, what, what do you need or recommendations on like a camera, for example, um, you can go to telehealthspecialist.com. And Telehealth Specialist is also the name of my Boom Card store and my TPT store. So you can find me there too. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you for joining us on the podcast and best of luck with everything that you have going on. I don't know when you sleep, but best of luck to everything. everything. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Sometimes I wish I was like an octopus with tentacles, (laughs) but instead of tentacles, I want there to be brains so that I can just do everything. Cloning will be here soon enough, right? (laughs) I'm waiting. I'm waiting for that. (laughs) Thanks again. Bye-bye. Thanks. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. We want to really thank Maria for joining us on this episode. She is so busy and doing so many different things. Please reach out to her either on Instagram or through some of the websites. She is a busy person, and I really admire everything that she's doing. And I would really admire you leaving us a five-star review that helps us to attract new listeners and to grow this podcast, which is what we're trying to do. And with that, we'll see you again next week. Be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.